Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to Episode 5, The 12 Broken Bridges, New Pathways to Restore Vitality to Your Life and to Your Church. God's pathway to heaven is Jesus Christ, the Savior. God's bridge to introduce Jesus to people is the local church, the church you attend. But there are broken bridges in churches today. That's what we've learned in working with so many congregations, so many wonderful people, but challenging, challenging situations. This one is one of the toughest. It's the broken bridge of number five, religious backstabbing. Nikki Gumbel is the uh, vicar. That's what the British call their pastors. He's the pastor at a great church in London called Holy Trinity Brompton. And Nicky Gumbel says, never let praise go to your head and never let criticism go to your heart. That's a great statement. He's a great guy. It's easier said than done, though. And this is a touchy subject. It's a very sensitive subject, but it's an extremely, extremely important subject because it is just disrupting churches more and more every day. I have a theory why. It's the Internet. Yeah, not a very popular thing to say, but hear me out. You know, the Internet provides many blessings. I get that, but also a few curses, and I think you understand that as well. You know, really, I don't know, honestly, some days, if the human race is morally or spiritually mature enough for this technology. I bet you might have wondered the same thing at times, especially if you're a biblical thinker. You already know many of the challenges that come with electronic blessings, so I don't need to list that. But today I want to focus on the issue of citizen journalism. That's a terminology that means that in the world we now live in, anyone can publish, promote, tweet, post, multiply anything, whether they've done their homework about the subject or not. And in the process, we can hurt people. We can disrupt productivity. So in this episode about religious backstabbing, this broken bridge number five, we're going to take a look at this broken bridge of religious backstabbing in contrast to spiritual communication. I'm going to start with a true story about a church I consulted in New Jersey. Prior to the consultation, like we often do, we had a one-day workshop presented by a colleague of mine and myself, and it was kind of an extension of our time in the area, and it was an extension of our book, Who Broke My Church? It was held at a different church than the one we were consulting, and there were people from several churches in the area that came to the workshop, including a few from the church that we were going to consult starting the next day as we attended church on a Sunday. Well, anyway, there was this lady from the church that we consulted starting the next day. Her name is Judy, and she happened to be a member of their church board, and she heard me say a couple of things inaccurately. My colleague vouched that I didn't say it the way she took it, but that's okay. I understand with a long-day workshop, you can be misunderstood. Now, ideally, it would be great if the person would have asked me right then and there at the workshop during a break or afterwards, seems to me I heard you say this, which offends me. And I would have been able to say, oh, I apologize if that's the way you heard it. But what I meant was, and I'd have gone and straightened it out in a heartbeat, been a piece of cake, that would have been the end of it, no big deal. 
everything cool, and that didn't happen. Nor did it happen when I saw this person during the consultation. Never took me aside, never said what was on her mind. And she just, I think Judy just stewed about this, and it just kind of grew in her mind into something bigger than it even was, and certainly bigger than it could have been if she'd have just done the proper thing and just talked to me about it. Well, about a week later, I got an email from this lady indicating that she was very unhappy about what she heard me say and wanted me to respond in an email about what I said. And I wrote back with this kind of attitude that I could have, uh, the kindness that I could muster, and I had no reason not to. I just said, you know, that's great, but I don't do emails because they aren't a conversation. And I didn't say this, but what happens in emails is that one person writes, and it's an often a dump on the other person. And I know the temptation is there that, okay, since they emailed, I'm going to email back, and that'll make it okay. Well, that doesn't make it okay, because the Bible doesn't say it's okay to dump on people. That's not what Christians do. So I wrote back, and I, as kindly as possible, said, I'm not going to do that, and I will be more than happy to talk to you when I return for the oral report. That would be the best way, but if that doesn't work out for you, we could always have a phone call, but I'd prefer Skype call where we see each other, conference call like that, where we can see each other because there are a lot of things to communication besides the word especially the printed word on an email. There's the tone of voice. There's um, the expression on your face. There's the smile, the love that you express beyond anything that you say in trying to solve an issue with another person who's misunderstood something you said. So I did that. Well, I got an email back. I'm not going to do that. I've already shared my problem with four other people on the board. Well, now she's got four more people riled up, and this is not good for their church, and this isn't good for them, and it's not good for her, and I didn't find it very good for me either. So basically, she did something that the Bible talks about from cover to cover, Old Testament and New Testament alike. She was involved in gossip and slander, something that is judged many, many times in Scripture as absolutely don't do it. It's bad. It's bad. There's no good that can come of it. And she did it. Then she wrote and said that she's on the board and they're going to have a meeting. She's going to call a meeting. She's not the chairperson, but she's going to call a meeting and decide whether they should even have me come back and do the oral report. Well, so we ended up talking to the pastor by phone at least three times and talking to the internal coordinator for the consultation who signed the document. So our legal connection between this church is the pastor who signed the contract for the consultation and this other person who is on that board and who is a deeply spiritual and committed person who confessed, well, actually, we probably chose our board pretty hastily the last time we did it and probably have some people on there that aren't ready to be on the board, which is not a criticism of Judy. She may or may not be biblically ready to be in that position. But that didn't matter. She's an individual. She heard something that I said that she misunderstood and took offense at. And I'm trying to teach her to follow what the Bible says about go directly to the person and talk to them. I'm trying to teach her that religious backstabbing, this broken bridge, is killing churches everywhere. And a lot of it's done through email and other ways as well. And so I quoted Matthew 18. I said, look it up. 
if you're not familiar with it, and I'm just trying to help you and your church and your people, and if there are four others that you've talked to, I will be more than glad to talk to each of them, but not as a group. I will listen to each of them one at a time, even though it's more work for me. I didn't say that, but it is more work for me, but I don't want a group think to go on, and he said, she said, or I thought she said, or whatever, and I don't want to embarrass Judy in front of other people by saying, well, you just misunderstood me. I'm sorry. I'll be glad to straighten that out. It's actually a a minor, minor matter. I mean, it's a simple thing. I mean, it's a, yeah, Christianity 101 deal. It really is. She just misunderstood something. And I don't care whether it was her fault or mine. Who cares? Let's just get it straight and go on and serve Jesus. But in her response, she said in her email, and I quote, once I told her about the Bible verses, she said, you know, we can share Bible verses all day long. However, that's beside the point. Okay, enough about that story, but I'll tell you this, that is the point. What the Bible says is the point, and what we're discovering on this issue and many others is that we have many people in churches at all levels, including on boards, who are biblically illiterate. They do not have a lifelong life study of the Scripture. And, of course, we don't know it all. Nobody knows it all. You're going to die and not know it all. The Scripture is just absolutely too deep to know it all, ever, no matter how hard you work at it. But you need to be working at it. So here's Broken Bridge number five, this religious backstabbing that normally doesn't include me as a consultant, but it often includes people in the church that are just terribly hurt by the way people misuse communication. We have seen an escalation, incredible escalation, pretty much parallel with the internet. I'm sorry to say, because a lot of good stuff that can be done with the internet, but it has escalated with this citizen journalism where gossip is rampant in churches, even among leaders. So if someone sees you make a mistake, if someone knows that you are sinning and sees it, will you be the first person to know? Because according to Jesus, you better be. You want to be. No one's above reproach. Everybody makes mistakes. And so it is that if you sin, it'd be the most loving thing in the world if someone came to you and privately, without saying anything to anybody, in my perception, you are making a mistake. And according to Jesus, I'm supposed to come and share that with you in a loving way. So in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, Jesus makes it really clear. If someone sins, go directly to that person and talk to them and no one else, no one. Jesus absolutely did not imply, write an email and copy all your friends. And what we're discovering, spending time in churches every year, all year long, one church after another, not just myself, but all of our consultants, not just one kind of church, but all kinds of churches. What we're discovering is that ignorance about this way to treat one another is rampant in churches. Now, when we consult a church, we do research on how many people are involved in a Bible study group, doesn't matter how often, doesn't matter how long, doesn't matter what they discuss, as long as it's a Bible study group. And we find about 20% of the people are actually involved in a Bible study group where they can dig in and discuss way past what they hear in a sermon, because there can be dialogue, there can be input from other people. About 20% of the people, so 80% are not involved in that growth, that spiritual growth of the Bible. So I get why some people don't understand or don't know what Matthew 18 is all about. We also discover that about 48%, less than half of the people, read the Bible at least once 
a week outside of church. So what we've got is a huge case of biblical illiteracy, and the Bible is the only book we have. It's the guide that we have. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, speak the truth in love. But the gossip mill seems to be the number one choice of ballistic missile that the enemy uses to blow up churches these days. I'm not kidding you. It's awful. So what's the real issue behind the issue? Well, there are two levels. Number one, who do you put in positions of leadership in your church? That might be your board. That might be your council, whatever. That might be the elders of the church. That might be who's allowed to teach Sunday school for children or adults. Anybody who leads anything, how do you screen them? In many churches, they jump to get people on the board and they go to people that like, oh, they're successful in business, so we got to put them on the board. Or they're vocal in the community, so they ought to be in this position of leadership. Or they're wealthy and therefore, yeah, they ought to know something, so let's put them in the position of a leader. Or worse yet, well, they're willing to serve, so yeah, let's let them serve. But how does that qualify a person to know God's will? You can be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and still be a child in your level of Bible understanding. So how does that contribute to the biblical health and vitality of your church, your mission, the Lord's Great Commission? That approach is a broken bridge. But God has a pathway around that broken bridge, and that is to seek people out who have a lifestyle that reflects ongoing, regular, faithful Bible study. Personally, personal Bible study, group Bible study, because it's the only manual we have. How can you discern the will of God if you don't have the wisdom of Scripture? If your stupid constitution says you have to have 10 people on a board, but you can only find three that are biblically literate at the level of lifelong learning, Go with the three. You're way better off. And as much as we'd like to show younger people and newer people in the church that they can be involved in ministry, do it. But don't include that for people that make decisions about the church. They're going to have to be people that have been in the Bible a long time, which means they're going to have to be the older people. But you got to remember, the Bible is better than the Constitution every time. So that's level number one. Get the right people in the right spot. If it has to do with making decisions, they need to know the Bible. And they need to know how to look in the Bible for issues that they don't know and be willing to do it, no matter how long it takes. Level number two. Few Christians are clear about Jesus' guidance about how we deal with an offense or a perceived offense, like it was with Judy and I. She had a perceived offense, and I gladly cleared it up if she would gladly follow Matthew 18. But what happens is ignorance abounds, and the enemy has a field day with disrupting the church. Matthew 18, 15 to 17 says this, if someone offends you, go to that person alone. Don't tell anyone, not even your spouse. Why trouble your spouse with something upsets you? What, do you believe misery loves company? I don't think so. Some people say, well, I can't do that with someone because I don't like conflict. No joke. If you actually like conflict, you need counseling. No normal, healthy human being likes conflict. Get over it. It's not about what you like. Christianity isn't all about what you like. It's not all about what's comfortable. Otherwise, Jesus would have never gone to the cross. That ought to be obvious. Go directly to the person, not to your buddies at church. Because if you do that, you're killing your church one person at a time. If the person in you can't clear it up, can't get that offense figured out, take someone with you. That's what Jesus says. 
And be sure to take someone who knows and lives the scripture the best they can. Be sure to speak the truth in love, as it says in Ephesians 4, 15. And then if you can't speak from the position of love, you wait until you can. Now, if the person continues to be stubborn and you take that second person and make a second visit, Jesus says, then take it to the church. Now, by that, you can think about taking it to the whole church, like get up in front of the church and talk about this offense. But I'll tell you something, if that's the way you translate that particular issue, that's a great way to wreck your whole church and get everybody at odds. I really believe, there's no way to prove this, but I really believe that that means go to someone in the church who's a, a real leader, like an elder, and as a third person, go along the third time and visit that person that has an offense. They represent the church leaders. I wouldn't bring it out in the open. Well, so gossip is when you break biblical patterns when dealing with an offense or a perceived offense. And sometimes you're wrong. And sometimes it's simply a misunderstanding. Hey, would you like a free Bible study on how to get along in church? Send me an email and ask for it. Also, you can ask for a short list, 10 ways to clean up communication in your church. And you can duplicate it and send it to everybody you know. It'd be a really good idea. Well, in our next episode, we'll look at the broken bridge of corporate confusion. Until then, hey, say your prayers, search your heart and your Bible for God's pathway around your broken bridges to find those pathways to healthy and vibrant church and leave this religious backstabbing way behind. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.